0: Well, welcome this morning to Sunday School. Uh, we're going to hopefully finish up chapter two of the book of Colossians. Uh, I know it seems like we've been there for a long time, but there was a period of a hiatus. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and you'll also notice that I sound a little nasally this morning. Yeah, uh, just, uh, uh, on the tail end of that, it was one of those quick bugs that came and went, and now i 've got that residual sound that 's still there, and uh, you know how sometimes you cough and things and stuff like that so um, so don 't be offended if i don 't shake your hand or if I you, you know you come to talk to me and I start backing off. you know I want to keep that six foot distance with the mask and oh sorry, wait, that was a different thing. It was a time long ago that we, we wash we all wish to forget. But, uh, uh, you know, praise the Lord. It's, uh, you know, nothing serious or anything like that. But let's, uh, go ahead and take a look here at, uh, chapter two in the book of Colossians. Uh, we had uh, left off talking about in verse 18 that third warning, uh, letting no man, uh, excuse me, uh, in, uh, sorry, backing up here in verse 16 where it says, let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day. Or the new moon, or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And again, you know, he kind of you know mentions this and gets into this a little bit more down into the next uh, kind of warning here with "Let no man beguile you." But what often happens is uh, uh, individuals will try to bring others back into bondage. And if you will, to put them under a law again. Um, and it, it's, it's a law of, as he talks about in here, touch not, taste not, handle not, all of those things, you know, kind of getting into some of the, that ceremonial stuff that was going on back over there in uh, Moses, uh, you know, the laws that Moses wrote down. But. But what we find here is that, you know, obviously we still are under some laws. We find that there is the law of Christ that we should be fulfilling over there in Galatians chapter 6, which is bury one another's burdens. You know, again, we find those. We find commandments that God gives us. We find the law of liberty, as James talks about, that we should be looking into and what that's all about. You know, there's certain laws that we still Abide by, but we don't abide by those laws of those standards and things. And people try to bring people back into bondage with that, and and it goes. Oh, I mean, it, you know, as I've mentioned it before, there's all these things that people you know have with drinks and foods and and things like that, and and clothes and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it, it got frustrating as I said with one time. One, uh, missionary just got frustrated because of the questionnaires that were, 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 were given to him. He would say, well, hey, I'm coming through. Uh, he'd call up, you know, the cold call, uh, call the, the pastor and the pastor would say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to send you a questionnaire to fill out. And you'd think, well, it's going to be about doctrinal things or something like that, but two or three questions about the doctrinal, but it, 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 it's, it, it's, you know, it was ridiculous things like, does your wife wear pants to bed? Um, you know, stuff like that, uh, does, does, uh, you know, they wanted to, to know about the marital relations and things of that. And I'm like, that's none of your business, but what that's all about is it's about another man wanting preeminence over another person. And, and this is the issue that he's, he's warning the Colossians about, He'd or, you know he'd been dealing with the stuff with over there in Galatia, and we see very exactly what the Judaizers did, trying to bring people back under the law. Here they're kind of doing the same thing, but they may not be talking about the things of the law. There is a false uh, uh, doctrine that runs around. It is oftenly often associated with Adventism or seventh-day Adventists. And uh, this false doctrine deals with the, the whole issue of, uh, eating and what they eat. And what they eat is something that is supposed to, uh, if you will, preserve their salvation. If they don't eat right, they're going to lose their salvation. If they do not worship on the seventh day, the Sabbath day, uh, uh, th- th- they will lose their salvation. And we find that that's not Biblical, scriptural, for, for, for believers right now. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. You know, th- th- there is no commandment to meet on the seventh day. You, you can go through all of Paul's epistles and you won't find that. Now again, you know, if somebody says, well, hey, I'm going to worship, uh, and, you know, have our services on, on Saturday instead of Sunday. Okay. Just don't make that a law that you have to, you know, impose upon another person. You know, the Brians, what did they do? They met every day. You know, and I have to remind people of that. You know, sometimes people are like, well, well, how can we do this and how can we do that? And, 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 you know, uh, uh, I guess we're some of the few, some of the few that still have services on Sunday night and still have midweek services. Many churches have abandoned it and they only have Sunday, a school and a Sunday morning and maybe an occasional thing here or there, but that's it. Praise God, we still have those services. People ask, well, why do we do that? And well, we do it just because we want to get together and come around the Word of God and fellowship around the Word of God and receive instruction from the Word of God. And the brains, they did that daily. And I tell, I've asked people that before. I'm like, can you imagine what you would do with your life if you were to come to church every single day? And people are like, oh, man, well, that, that that's that's just too much. Is it? Is it? No, it's not. Why are we forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? But again, he's talking about not just that. He's talking about the, the, the individuals that make mandates. That That if you're not in... Uh uh it, you know, doing what they're saying they're you're supposed to do, then there's a problem with your salvation, or there is something wrong, and they begin to go through the judgment process. Now, in, in verse uh verse 17, he says, we talked, we kind of left off a little bit about this, where he says, which are a shadow of things to come, and we had mentioned that uh, you know, over there in Hebrews it talks about the shadow of those things to come. But you know, uh over in chapter 8 and chapter 10 saying that all those things that they were doing under the law were representing Jesus Christ. Everything from uh, all of those uh, sacrifices and wave offerings and heave offerings and down to the pomegranates and the bells and the hem on the, uh, um, the, the high priest's garments. They all were pointing to Jesus Christ. They were all pointing to Jesus Christ. And again, you know, we have to take a look at this and ask, you know, the, the the question. You know, those things they may still have some purpose in the education, in the teaching, in the revelation of Jesus Christ and who He is. But we don't abide by those. We're we're, we're not bound by those things, because the actuality is is right now we are in the body of Christ. Everybody's in the body of Christ. Uh, the other day, you know, just, you know, kind of on a personal note, I, I was checking out, uh, this individual's cause he had said some things that kind of made me go, what? And, uh, raise an eyebrow and, 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 and I checked into, uh, the statement of faith cause he's the pastor of a church. Um, and, and I kind of raised my eyebrow as I go through. I tell you, you really want to get, um, you really want to find some things that are disturbing. Just go through and find churches and read their statements of faith if you can find them anymore. Because they just don't even post it anymore. And I went through and I read this. and, And at one point in time, this guy said that membership in the body of Christ now, I'm just going to stop there. How do we get into the body of Christ? Salvation. Right. Salvation, you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, right? Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Nothing else is required. Right. We are then in Christ. And he said membership in the body of Christ is through... Spiritual baptism, and I thought, okay, well, he's talking about being baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ, which is what Ephesians talks about. Oh no, he wasn't, because then he goes on to define spiritual baptism as water baptism, and I was like, whoa whoa, 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 pump the brakes here. So you're saying that that my membership in the body of Christ is all dependent on whether I got dunked in water or not? But again, it's all about whether or not I got dunked in the right water by the right person. Now now we're starting to go a little bit further. Because again, this guy was talking about how John the Baptist was the first Baptist. Like, oh, good grief. <laughs> Whenever somebody says that, you can, you can tune out. You can tell them Ken Stewart said this. You can tune out the rest of what they're about to say. Cause it's, it's really, it's, it's not, it's not true. And, and, and he went on to try to explain, no, you can be saved, but you just wouldn't be part of the body of Christ. What? Where, where, where in, in Bible, does it say that it doesn't? The Bible says that if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in him and he's in you. You're part of the body of Christ. We're all different members. Some of us are toes. Some of us are nose. Some of us are (laughs) earlobes. Some of us seem to serve no purpose and we're uh, superfluous. But I mean, you know, but but again, you know, there we are. We're all members of the body of Christ. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are mouths. Whatever it may be, He uses us for, okay? But what we find is is that we find individuals trying to come in and dictate to people how they're gonna be saved, how they're gonna keep their salvation, and what they're gonna do to, 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 to please God. God has already outlined that in Scripture. And all it takes is for somebody to sit down and begin to read it and, and, and understand it. Now they may need some people to come along and help and teach and, and you've got pastors and, and preachers and evangelists there, uh, and, and to, to, to do those things and praise God, God uses them to do that. But I'll tell you this, it's gotta be biblical. It has to have biblical standing. It has to have, uh, 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 you know, consistent biblical teaching. Be very careful of the person that pulls one verse out of context and uses that to create a doctrine. You got to be very careful with those things. But as we get into verse 18 here, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding the head uh, from which all the, the body by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? As though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all are to perish with using after the commandments and doctrines of men. I like how he asks, why are you following somebody else? Why is Christ not your preeminent? And he says, which things indeed have show of wisdom in will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not needing honor to, satisfy, to the satisfying of the flesh. Now, there is a lot that just got thrown in there. But what we find in this passage is we find uh, um, these individuals that come along with far, false teachings. And as he talks about here, a beguiling spirit, a beguiling tongue. Eve was beguiled in the garden. Let's not kid ourselves. We can be beguiled, too. Now, now, look, you know, there's all these scams that are going on, and scammers are out there, and some of us are like, well, hey, you know, uh, I, I, I know that, uh, you know, I'm obviously not going to answer the email to the Nigerian prince that's looking for somebody to take his money and blah, 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 things of that nature. All these things, there's all these scammers out there that post stuff, and, and things like that. But, you know, they're getting more and more sophisticated every single day uh, to the point of where on a, a, a very frequent basis, uh, the company that I work for has a required course on safety, on, you know, using electronic uh, communications. What kind of emails do you open? Do you open the attachments? Um, you know, when you're on the web and you, you take a look at the URL of the link that you're going to, is it a safe link or is it not? I mean, they teach you how to identify these things because it is so deceptive today. Satan wants to beguile us. And he uses other men, sometimes as he talks about over there, that seem like ministers of righteousness Seems like they're saying the right things, but they beguile, they beguile, because what they begin to do is they begin to remove the focus off of Jesus Christ. This is why it is so important that we understand that concept. Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Christ is all. Christ is God. All of these things we have to begin to, 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 to really clearly, truly think about. And when we realize that, that He is that preeminent, as we saw with, throughout all of this passage where He's talking about His preeminence, what He's done, why He is preeminent, all of these things we begin to see take away from Him. Look at what He says here, let man no beguile you in your reward. There are individuals that want to steal the rewards that you are doing for Jesus Christ. Well, how do they do that? Motive. Motive. You go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and you find there's this uh, uh, um, outline of the judgment seat of Christ. That is for believers. Well, praise God our sins aren't being judged there, okay? Because our sins are covered under the blood. They're forgiven. But what we've done for Jesus Christ will be looked at and analyzed. Why did we do what we did? The why behind it. Not about how many. It's not about that. Because you go over there and you start realizing when you start talking to the faithful servants over there, and he says, well, thou and thy good and faithful servant, the two servants that did, that did what was right, there was differences in the quantity that were there. But they were both faithful with what they had been given. That's the key. The one that was given something that did nothing with it, he was the one that was in trouble. He was the one that was in trouble. And faithfulness comes down to that fact of what are you doing with what God has given you? If you are not using what God gives you on a day to day basis to please Him, to honor Him, to serve Him, you're not being faithful. But what we find here is, is, you know, individuals are coming along and trying to pull that thing away pull away what we're doing for Jesus Christ to get the wrong motive in there because he talks about voluntary humility. Now, when we think of humility, humility is a good thing, right? We all should be humble. We should all have humility because pride is one of the seven things God says he does not like. He calls it abomination. He calls it hateful. And he starts off that list with a proud look. The proud look. But what we find here is we find, well, voluntary humility. That's a good thing. We're, we're, we're being humble, you know, because of ourself. Well, there's the problem. When we go through this voluntary humility, it's a self-willed It's self-willed. Humility comes when we look at Jesus Christ and realize who we are. Humility that comes from any other source is not good. We have to be careful. Everything should be in the eyes of who God is and who Jesus Christ is. That's where the humility, real humility comes from. Because, you know, the humbleness that sometimes man gives, two people come together and they start to fight. One guy overpowers the other. The other one was braggadocious saying he, and we've all seen it. We've seen the boxing matches. We've seen the... The the MMA fights where the guys out there, I'm going to pound you into dust. I'm going to pound you so so hard that your relatives will never be able to find you. you know, all you know, stupid stuff. Okay. And what happens to that guy? You know, two seconds into the ring, the guy's laying out flat because he's been planked, and he's sitting there, you know, doing the whole shaking thing. Well, what happened? Well, his pride just got checked. There's a little bit of humility there. But what happens when he gets up? Humility goes away. Humility goes away. Then it's all about the rematch. You know, a, a man can try to bring us into a form of humility, but the humility that God wants is when we look at what God has done for us and who we are and what we were and what we are now. When we sit back and say, man, I was a sinner and I was on my way to hell and I was going to be punished for my sins and, 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 and I had rejected God, all of those things to compare it to what we are now where he says, you are a son of God. You are a saint. I see no fault in you because you're justified in my sight because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and through his resurrection. So what Paul is saying is it all depends on what lenses you're seeing these things through. What motive is behind it? If I force myself into humility, I am not being humble the way that God wants me to be humble. Therein is this this voluntary humility. And then he says, and worshiping of angels. Now, again, both of these, I want you to take a look. One is carnal and one is spiritual because angels are spiritual beings. And look, let's just face it. When it comes to the spirit world, none of us have even a clue about what goes on there. We are given a few things revealed in scripture, but that's it. Don't move the veil. You won't be the same. And I've seen people that have done that. They've caught a glimpse of the other side. And they never came back the same. But we be careful here. Because he's saying over here we've got this, if you will, self-willed, voluntary humility, a carnal thing. And then we've got a spiritual thing that's being worshipped, but it's the wrong spirit. There is no angel that is of God that will accept worship. You go through and you read the scripture when an angel appears and they, the person that they're appearing to attempts to worship them and they will say, no, stand up. I'm just like you. Well, a little different, but, you know, They basically understand that. They communicate that. The only angels, if you will, angel of the Lord that accepted worship was a pre-incarnate Christ. So you see the captain of of the Lord's host showing up to Joshua. He received worship. Why? Because that was Jesus Christ. And we find that. But there are angels that are like don't don't worship me. Don't worship me. I am, you know, that's not what this is about. An angel that accepts worship is not of God. It's of another it's either of its own self spirit or it is of the devil himself. You have to be very careful. And here I want you to see the whole purpose behind those two things, a carnal and a spiritual, is to take the eyes off of Christ. Because as you go down here a little bit further, uh, notice he says, intruding to those things which he hath not seen. So here comes this guy and he starts talking to you about what angels are and who angels are and what you know. All of a sudden he's this angel expert. Where did he get his information from? Now if he read through and his stuff comes from the Word of God, praise the Lord. Okay, that's good. If it starts coming from other sources, ah, no. He hasn't seen angels. He doesn't know what they are. And if he's seen something, that's suspect. Look, if all of a sudden you start communing and talking with spirits and things like that, you might want to check exactly where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ because there's something wrong. There's something dangerous about it because all of a sudden it becomes about those things and not about Jesus Christ. As he talks about this even a little bit further, he says, intruding on things which he hath not seen meaning, he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. And then he says, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And we can take a look at that also in the form of that voluntary humility. But we can also take a look at it in the form of he thinks he knows what he doesn't really know. And now he's puffed up. He has no idea what he's talking about. There's no concept behind it. And and, and, and I've I've seen this before. I, I've seen people you know you know talk about all of these these things, and it's it's ridiculous. And they're trying to beguile people. I'll use a very carnal example. There was a politician one time stood up with, with an AR-15 rifle and said, this is one of the most deadly things that has ever been created. And I'm sitting there going, you obviously haven't seen some of the other stuff we've made. Cause some of that's pretty crazy. Um, but he's talking about, oh, about, uh, how this, uh, and he likes to use the word clip and, and I understand people may not, under, you know, that, but whatever. He, 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 he uses, it. it's got a, it's got a hundred round clip and it didn't have that on there. And it can fire all hundred rounds in a second. <laughs> I'm like, wow. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't even think the, uh, the A-10 Warthog can get that fast. But it shoots a lot of rounds a minute. Big ones, too. 30 cal's, Depleted uranium shells. I mean, you know, stuff like that. I'm just sitting there going, no. What's he doing? He's beguiling. He has no idea what he's talking about. He's made it all up in his mind, and, and, and he's now puffed himself up as some expert in this thing. No, he's not. Whatever side of the fence you are on on that, you know, regardless, it shows that there are individuals that want to beguile you. And when it comes to spiritual things, the idea is to take your mind off of Jesus Christ, to take your eyes off of him. Because in verse 19, he makes it very clear. He says, which Excuse me, in verse 19, says, and not holding the head. Not holding the head. Well, who's the head? Jesus Christ. Go over to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 makes it clear. Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 23, says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Makes it very clear here who the head is. And then he says, therefore as the church is subject unto uh, uh, Christ, so let the wives be, uh, to their own, uh, husbands and everything. And it gets to verse 25, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. This is why I, I always make sure that people really understand the importance of church. Christ died for it. Let's not take church for granted. Let's not take what God has died for and diminish it in any capacity in any way. In today's day and age, people do that. Why? Because they don't want to be under the head. They don't want to be under an authority. And we find that this individual that is beguiling is doing the same thing. He's doing the same thing where he says, and not holding the head, going back to to Colossians uh, 2.19, from which the body, or excuse me, from which all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. And it becomes important to understand that principle because, again, we find increase coming from God. Can you make yourself grow? Now, I'm not talking about growing sideways, okay? <clears throat> you know, I'm not talking about that nature, But when you were younger, did you force yourself to grow? When I was younger, I remember there was one kid in our class. uh, He's, you know, there's always the tall kids. Then there's always the average kids. And then there's the short ones. And this kid would tell all the, the tall kids about how he was praying that God would stretch him and lengthen him because he wanted to be tall. You know, back then we weren't spiritually mature or anything of that nature, but I do remember it being kind of sad. But you know what? God likes short people, tall people, all people. He died for for all of us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. But we didn't cause ourselves to grow. No, how, no matter how much that, that 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 boy would try to 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 increase, you know, he'd try to eat right, try to do all the right things, and try to do stuff. You know, he'd hang from the 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 monkey bars, you know, and he'd have you know kids pulling on him, stretch me, stretch me. <laughs> And you're just sitting there going, man, well, this is sad. And, but, but, but in the end, could he, could he add a cubit to his stature, as the Bible says? No. So here we have these individuals coming in, and if you will, they're trying to grow the body. They're trying to do things on their own without Christ, just like the Israelites did. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul makes it pretty clear. If anybody could grow anything, it would be Paul. I mean, Paul's like, you know, Paul is Paul. You look at Paul and go, wow. Paul, you know, the stuff Paul did, you know, people are like, to a degree, almost idolize Paul. And I'm like, and, and I guarantee you, Paul would be like, stop it. Stop it. Don't. As a matter of fact, he said that many times. He said he's the chiefest of sinners. He said he's rude in speech. He's got a thorn in the flesh. He's got a temptation, as he called it. All these things, all to bring him into who God is. And again, Paul is always pointing to Christ. 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 Because look at what he says here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, You know he, he he asks this question, uh, or in verse uh, 4, he's asking, well, why are all these divisions and things going on? And he says uh, in verse 3, for you're yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Don't follow a man is what he's getting at. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. He's saying these guys came along, ministered to you, helped you. You understood, you believed, you trusted Christ as your Savior. They didn't do the saving. Jesus Christ did. And he says, I have planted, Apollos watered but God gave the increase. And this matches what we see over there in Colossians chapter two, where he says uh, that this individual is not regarding the head. Christ is not preeminent, but Christ is the only one that's going to grow the body. Now, now how does the body of Christ grow? The body of Christ grows in two ways. The adding of individuals through salvation. Salvation. Those that have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, uh, w- w- what do they do? They, they, they are in the body of Christ. The other way that that happens is through biblical spiritual maturity. And who does that? Not men, but Jesus Christ. He's the one that grows you. In verse 7, he says, So neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, now what, what is Paul saying here? Stop looking at the flesh and start looking at God. And we find the same thing going on here, going back to Colossians, we find the same thing where he's saying these people are going to come along, they're going to beguile you, they want you to believe a certain thing about them, they're going to put you back into bondage, don't fall for it. It's that let no man. Do not allow them to influence you, and do not allow them to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Don't allow it. That's your responsibility. It's an individual responsibility. As he goes through here in verse 20, he says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why? Why? And I like this. Why are you going back to them? Why are you going back to these things that, if you will, as he says here, are all perish with the using. Why are you going back to being under a bondage of what another person tells you to do? When you have liberty in Jesus Christ. If, look, if Christ is your preeminent, you have liberty. If man, some bug around here. If man, if man, is the one that is your preeminent you do not have liberty. Right. Now I'm not talking about authorities and, and and things of that nature. We got to understand that concept. What I'm talking about are individuals that attempt to lord over you. There are people that are put in charge. Yes. There are people that are have have very clear if you will authorities that are given by God. For the governance of men, because men must be governed. The anarchists are wrong. The guys that are like, well, we don't need any government to be over us. Yes, you do. Because you can't even govern yourselves. Found out how that worked. So here he's making it very clear, look, don't be back going back to those things. And again, you know, talking about what is going on in Galatia, Galatia what is he referring to here? He's talking about legalism. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a legalism that comes about through, you know, this, if you will, you must be saved if you do this this, this and this, and they try to have that. But there are also legalisms that will govern your saved life that say, oh, well, you've got to do this and this and this and this, or you're out of the will of God. And and there are things that are not found in Scripture. Look, just because somebody wears a colored shirt to church and doesn't wear a white shirt to church, doesn't make them less holy. You know, there are people that believe that and teach that. It, really, do you think God cares? <laughs> Jesus wore the same garment for a long time. <laughs> um, I, they were wearing what we would call dresses back then. Skirts? Uh, look, I'm not wearing any tunic. Uh, no, it's not going to look good. Brother, it's not going to look good. You and me in tunics? No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> nope, <clears throat> not happening. Now, if we choose to wear that to church... <laughs> <Literally>. ah, <laughs> yeah, Let's just put it this way. If I mandate that all of a sudden, the only way that you're going to be holy and the only way that you're going to please God is that everybody wears tunics. (laughs) Run. (laughs) Run. Okay. That's, that's not of God. And that's what he's getting at here. He's saying, these are what he, in verse 22, he says, these are commandments and doctrines of men. And what is it all about? worshipping the will which he mentions in verse 23 will worship this this if you will a false humility and and he says the neglecting of the body you know what that does if you are so concerned about taking care of you know all of these things, worshiping angels, this this self-willed, voluntary humility, uh, humility, uh, following these things, you are neglecting the body of Christ. Some people read this and they'll say, "Well, you know, they're talking about neglecting the body, as in, you know, not feeding themselves and you know, false fasting and things like that." I look at this as they're neglecting the body of Christ. Why is that? Because what we as believers are meant to do is not to be self-willed and looking at self. We're to be looking at Jesus Christ and serving others. If we're not doing that, then we are out of the will of God. It's Christ, and He, in our lives, reflects on how we deal with other people. Now, in chapter 3, he begins to, to, to really get us to the point of where he starts exhorting us to, we need to make sure our mind is fixed correctly. Now, again, this the chapter 3, I'm going to be very, very, it's going to be tough to not refer back to Romans chapter 12, but I'm going to have to. <laughs> because it all involves the mind and how we think. And we as believers and Christians need to change the way we think. From a worldly mindset, a carnal mindset, to a mindset of God, Christ, His Spirit, and His Word. That needs to be what we think about. And we'll talk about that, Lord willing, next week. But let's go ahead and be dismissed with the word of prayer for a brief moment. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for the time. Thank you again for an opportunity to just uh, delve into your word here a little bit and see exactly what uh, these warnings are, these four warnings in chapter 2 um, that uh, you had Paul write down for us, that uh, we as believers would be careful and cautious, making sure that we don't fall into those snares and traps. And Lord, again, I just pray that we would take what we've learned and we would apply it to our lives and eagerly look forward to how we go about changing our mindset so that we don't fall into those things. Knowing what we you've given us, that, Lord, we would just take that, use that to mold us and to shape us into the believers you want us to be. Thank you again for all that you've done for us. And this I ask in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen.